our most anticipated games of 2019. And we're sick. Hello and welcome to Triangle Squared, a PlayStation podcast where both hosts are sick, uh, sadly. <laughs> uh, I'm Brett Beck, your host alongside me, Mr. Saw Bridges. <laughs> As you may tell from that uh, cold open. Um, we're sick. We, are, we got we're, like head colds, I basically, is what I would assume this is. I would call it the same. Or I've got the flu, don't know it, and going to die in You three definitely days. don't have the flu. I don't have the flu. I've never had the flu. Uh, which yeah, is y'all good. Say, you'll know when you have the flu. Yeah. You wake up and every bone in your body hurts. Well, thankfully, I've only had a um, flu vaccine once. It's not because I'm anti-vaccine. I just am lazy. and I haven't I gotten know. one this year. I've only ever had free. one, and I've never had the flu. So my general rule of thumb is I've never gotten the flu, and I've never gotten the vaccine, and it's not because of some crazy conspiracy. I'm just rolling with the luck factor of don't mess with a good thing if you've already got it going. I uh, I normally get them every year, but this year I've been a little lazy since I work in a pharmacy and get them for free. We couldn't afford I don't know them. What my excuse is. Yeah, we couldn't afford them as kids. They're only like thirty dollars. So yeah, we didn't have any form of health insurance. We didn't have any form <laughs> no, that's, of money. That's oh, not, I know that that's without that's, health insurance. Yeah, that's cash but price. I'm telling you in general. It's my my childhood life was only going to the doctor if a, or anything if you medical related if you were dying. Uh, it was very rare. That's why my first dentist appointment was when I was seventeen. It was a very interesting time in my life. See, this is how an off topic podcast we're like. Look at this. We're just flowing. <laughs> Tell us, who, we are a PlayStation podcast. Anyway, so yeah, we're a PlayStation podcast. We're too sick to focus apparently. Uh, but you can normally find us on YouTube in video format. If you like what we're doing over there, subscribe and hit the bell notification. It'll let you know when these episodes go live. Uh, you can leave us your thoughts on what we talk about in the comments below. We love hearing your thoughts and like to uh, see them. And we may mention them. I think one thing I want to start trying to do is mention things that people say back to us. That I find interesting if anybody says anything that uh, specifically either I didn't think of uh, or that maybe changed my uh, opinion on something. I think that would be a cool way to work in YouTube. Uh, so for those of you who do that, uh, you know, there goes a reason maybe why you should uh, go in a little deeper and tell us what you think. Of course, you can find us uh, in audio format only on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play Podcast. I think Google, it's safe to say stuff. your favorite podcast service. If you have a podcast service that you'd listen to and we're not on it, let us know. We'll yeah, and it. secondarily, if this for some reason you're watching on YouTube and you're like, I wish I could watch on my Android, but they just said iTunes, we're on all sorts of stuff on Android. So just find the podcast app. You can listen to us there. Uh, and, of course, we love people that listen to us because it's interesting to have people listen to your opinions. It is. Uh, outside of that, you can find us on social media on Twitter at Triangle SQRD. You can find us on Facebook in our group, a uh, Triangle Squared, a PlayStation podcast. Uh, if you ask to be approved and entered in, we will do so. Uh, and uh, lastly... You can join, as far as social media goes, you can join our Discord. Uh, and our Discord is where the conversation mostly never ends. It occasionally ends, uh, as Hakuto would lament that he hates when it dies down in there for like an hour because people have to work. Or people are sick because a lot of the Discord's sick currently. I've been sick for like two weeks in a row now. First <sighs> week was the flu or stomach flu. Second week was this. You had a hard end of the year, Saul. I was sick physically. I'm ready for it to be over. And now I'm, well, I guess I'm sick physically still. But what I should say is like kidney stone, I don't think it counts as sickness, but it's something. Uh, anyway. No, it's, it's something. If 
you listen to us on podcast service. It's been a while since I mentioned this, but we like to ask it. Uh, definitely iTunes. Consider giving us a review. It lets us know how we're doing, what you think of the show, what you'd like to see us do. We look at that and we'll take into account what you say versus what we want to do as well. The show is an ever-changing tapestry, so we like to hear people's ideas alongside what we already have rolling around in our head. And of course, it gets our numbers up there and helps people find us a little more and know if we are a quality podcast, which thankfully all of our reviews, we have like 17 or so, I think, are all positive besides one from very early on where I cussed a lot because I was jet lagged. No excuses. I did it. There we are. But we're normally a clean podcast, so here we are. And we're normally a fairly long show, but this week I just never realized the news was from last week. Oh, no. The news that's in the keep is just old. Okay. I, never I didn't know it. if you had compiled news already. No. Okay. With last week's episode and this week's episode, news is pretty slow, slow and there's no drop. So I'm just kind of, we're going into these last two episodes of the year. Uh, with more open form conversation, partially because I wanted to see how that went anyway. Yeah, I think it's going to um, go fun. But just because I think it's interesting uh, to see how we flow when there's less of a buffer between news and stuff. Though I like doing news, so of course we want to keep doing news on so, the show. Yeah, for those that don't know, a small explanation is that Brett's going out of town on our normal recording day. I have a friend that's coming down uh, that I don't ever get to see anymore from uh, a city that's six hours away. So we both have plans on our normal recording day. And uh, we decided today, which is a Friday, we normally record on Saturdays, for those that don't know, uh, Friday would be the good day to record, uh, and we could be done with it for the weekend to have plans with our friends and family, and for those also, just a kind of reminder that if you did miss out on last episode, there is no reader mail anymore in the main episodes, so I thought I'd throw that out there real quick. Uh, Every uh, Monday on Twitter, Facebook, there will be a tweet that goes up or a post that goes up, uh... I cannot schedule them. You can't schedule pictures, and I like having the picture in there to catch people's attention. So I can only schedule a text. So I'm still working on finding an app that can schedule picture t- uh, tweets. So okay. let me know if you know of one on Android. But uh, it's my intent, uh, or my um, my usual, or my normal intended purpose for that would be at the same time the podcast goes live, there'll be a tweet that goes live at the same time. If we can make it work, we can. I work Monday mornings a lot. Work has been really busy lately, so I I don't know. But look for it on Twitter. I'll get it up there real early, if not. Like, when I'm laying at bed at 6.30 in the morning. Sure. So, But, yeah, uh, we're, we're going just to kind of go a little further into that. Uh, reader mail's not going away as a whole. Like I said, if for some reason you missed last week's episode and are just listening to this when we're going to listen in reverse, uh, we are going to switch by, uh, reader mail into a bi-weekly series that we do. And we're going to also ask uh, for questions Monday, Wednesday, Friday across not only Twitter and Facebook now. We're also going to include YouTube and Patreon. Uh, if you are a patron of the show or you choose to support us in, uh, at some point in time in the future, when we read your questions, we will, of course, say your name and that you're a patron and give you a little bit of a shout-out for supporting us. Uh, we appreciate everyone who does. Thank you, fellas. Uh, and we're being more active on Patreon in general. One of the things that we want to do going into the new year is not only reform what we do on Patreon and more of what our tiers are for. Uh, they're going to be affected by the fact that we are intending on doing new shows. Like we said, they are kind of in the conceptual stages right now. Uh, and we're setting to do those sometime early 2019. So I would imagine first quarter, you should have at least one of those rolling. Um, but with that said, yeah, we're going to put a little bit more focus on the Patreon uh, so that the people who are there find a little more value there. Uh, so hopefully, if you've been on the edge about supporting us uh, with the changes we have coming up, keep an eye out, and uh, you may find a little more value there. But with that said, I don't uh, well, want to spend too long. So Well, let me yeah, let me close it off roll on, with, Saul. with Twitter. Um, if you see the tweet that goes up, it's re- like Brett said, it's retweeted on Monday. or It goes up on Monday, and it's retweeted on Wednesdays and Fridays. 
if you ask us a question on that tweet, you are without a doubt getting that question answered on the biweekly. Uh, so basically, this coming up Friday, there will be the December reader mail. That will be the last reader mail of this year and the last of its kind. Kind of cool to wrap up on the last month of the year. Uh, it will then, be live in January. Just yeah, to, in I mean, January. Obviously. So two weeks after next Friday, you'll see reader mail one. And uh, YouTube comments, uh, if you if you uh, ask us a really good question, we'll like it. And that's how you know it's answered. If you uh, don't see one liked, it kind of will depend on what the question buffer is looking like and how serious the question is. We don't want trolls getting in there asking us dumb questions that won't be taken seriously. So yep. and just then, uh, of course, kind of moderate uh, the questions. Yeah, Patreon, uh, you're guaranteed answers. Uh, yes. For now, Facebook, you're guaranteed answered, and Twitter, you're guaranteed answered. Yeah. Uh, YouTube is the outlier right now. As we continue to grow, that may have to be something that we have to start scaling down, uh, but thankfully we're at a point that, where yeah. we can manage what we do have uh, and and be more inclusive as well. But I don't want to spend too much time on that. Yeah. It's time to get into the, the main topic, <laughs> meat of the show. But you know what? Something I did we miss last fast. week. All the news went by real fast. <laughs> yeah, Rear Mail was killer this website. What have you played this week if you've played oh, yeah. Thing because Dang. we skipped that last week and it was fine because it was a festive fun episode and a lot of information well, I've, but it, i missed it I've i like taken, that segment i've taken even though this section is more personal than anything i've taken a little bit less of an approach with switch games and i've really not really been announcing them a whole lot uh so i have been playing a lot of destiny too but i feel like it's that's all i've really been playing lately uh on playstation at least um yeah. i did download soma and i still have yakuza to get to the last two ps plus games but I have been playing a little good fair amount of Stardew Valley. Um, I've been meaning to crack open the Vita and play uh, Disgaea 3, but there's not enough time this week. Like, not enough time on, on top of, like, feeling worse and worse starting, like, when I went back to work on Wednesday till today. So, uh, really, Destiny 2. What about you? Uh, yeah, I, I got back to playing Spyro since we had kind of time after all this. I did play a little bit of Destiny. Uh, I've been still playing RuneScape on my phone like a boss, uh, doing well. Spending a couple nights just mass training skills up to at least level 40 so that I can pretty much do every quest or at least most quests uh, and kind of get some of those quest barriers handled. Somebody named Lynx on RuneScape got to 2 million in every single thing. And I don't know if it's a stat or what, but like I saw it on Twitter and it's like... Oh, it's 2 million experience yeah. in everything. And that's, it was like mining, all this stuff was yeah. all 2 million. Yeah, it's... Uh, it's a how, lot. How, how long is that? Like, if I was to start this game, how many years would that take me? If you are smart with your training and do it and uh, and really just focus and not try... If you spend a lot of hours, it really gets to the brunt of itself between levels 90 and 99, if I'm, if I'm remembering correctly. So essentially what goes on... Um, what you do... Uh, the, the, the infamous thing about the game is that it takes as long... Um, or as much experience, I should say... So in a sense, maybe as long, but you get, you get, as you do things that require a higher level, you get more experience for them, obviously. Uh, so, but the buffer of the game goes, uh, in any given skill, the amount of experience it takes you to get from level 1 to level 90 is the same amount of experience as it takes you to get from level 90 to level 99. That makes sense. I like games that scale that. Um, that's, a, that's a really well done scaling system. So it's, it, it takes a while, and upper level skilling, uh, skilling <clears throat> is what that's called, you know, uh, mining, mining uh, fletching, all those different skills that you can do, which are typically used for some form of money making in the game. I mean, that's skilling is the age-old classic way of making money, though when they introduced things like the Grand Exchange uh, back in 09 or so, whenever they originally did it. I can't remember exactly when they added it. Um, and it's in this version, thankfully. Uh, even though this one's based on OA, they were able to go back uh, and put some of those requested features in. Anyway, 
Now, the Grand Exchange introduced a stock market-like element to the game because essentially supply and demand are literally on here and items go up. So essentially what you do is you look at items and you can actually go on the RuneScape site and look at uh, the trajectory of everything, where it's been in the last month, six months, three months, whatever you want to do. Uh, and you can look and see how much of a coattail it's had, if it's raised a lot, if it's down a lot right now, so that you can make informed potential investments in buying something that looks like it's in a low but has a history of going low and then eventually going back up okay so what you can do is you can buy at the low hold on to it for a little bit and then wait until it goes back up and then you sell and that's how you make money in that game uh it's one way to make money that's a so little like more a stock exchange almost exactly and that's that was the basic idea behind it uh and it taught me a lot about how Stock because whenever they introduced it when I was younger, it was one of the first things that taught me how stocks actually work and what the point of a stock is, and essentially what you do when you're looking to buy and sell stocks. And of course, you get in, you start doing that a couple times, then you're able to buy low and sell high in such a fashion that almost every time you log on, or at least a couple times a week, you have the ability to to sell something that you that you bought at low and make money there, and then re-put that money or you know whatever you can you can be in multiple stages of that. And that's what I think. Sounds very similar to Final Fantasy XIV's marketplace. It's part of what really made RuneScape fun to me back then in comparison to other things that you see. I mean, other games have always had some form of something like the, the um, um, Lord, I can't think of the name, the... It's about Diablo and WoW. It, well, and Diablo had it, and I don't know why I can't think of the name of it right now. It's the Auction House, yeah. uh, and WoW has that. Um, and I don't know how deep they are in there because those just are not my type of games. So, uh, but I did like it in RuneScape, regardless of who did it first. I'm sure somebody else beat them to it, but it was a cool way to do it, and I thought that was fun. Uh, but outside of that, yeah, I played uh, Spyro and grabbed the platinum in Spyro One finally, uh, and I plan on playing another game and beating it before I go back to Spyro Two. I'm gonna use the Spyro games as buffers. Okay, between that makes sense. other backlog games I've been needing to get to, and I've got my Vita out charged, ready to go, and Iconoclast on it be I still playing. play that game I'm going to be playing it this uh, this weekend as I'm out of town I intended last night and things got a little hectic to play the beta for the Shadow of the Colossus spiritual successor for anybody who's seen that Pray of the Gods uh, it's, yeah, or pray, 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 the, pray to the Gods Pray to the Gods um, and or yeah pray for the gods I think is actually yeah what it pray is. for My the problem. gods yeah because anyway I'm just I got mixed up on the fact that they had to rename themselves from P-R-E-Y to P-R-A-E-Y yeah pray for Pray for the gods. Okay. Anyway, that I have that beta. I'm buying it on PS4. Uh, or actually, I, I backed it to, to get it on PS4. But what I like about the way that they chose to do the Kickstarter for that, uh, and then they were so gracious to email me back, um, they sent out beta codes, or they actually announced they were going to be sending out beta codes. And then when that happened, I was like, well, you know, hey, I backed on PS4, but I'd really like to play the game's beta. So I was wondering, you know, is there any way I can get a beta code for Steam and still get the game on PS4 at launch? And they actually automatically thought of that. Uh, and they responded and they said, yeah, actually, we had already planned on that. So what we're doing is anybody who backed at that level gets a key, whether they have a computer that can play it or not, um, just so you have it. Do you have to go to the website? Well, they send it to your email. I have not gotten that key. Did you back the game at a high enough level? I did. $50. 50. Uh, you should go check your email because I got it. It probably got sent to my spam folder. I'll check that when we're done. Yeah, we'll check because it's out there. And then what they're doing, if you're I, I getting it, it like on... a month after you told me about okay, it. Okay, yeah. If you're getting it on PS4 or X or whatever, I, I don't know what systems it's on. Actually, they, I know it's on PS4 and PC. Um, anyway, if you're getting it on those, what you do is you can go ahead and download the Steam code or enter it, play it. Uh, and then what happens is when the game goes into full release, uh, it's, it looks to me like the Steam code is going to roll over into full release. So people so I'll who, have it on PC and PS4. Well... 
No, it's they're gonna if you backed it for PS4, oh, they'll they'll deactivate they'll it deactivate your code. Gotcha, that makes sense. Uh, but if you got it for PC, your code will just roll over into a full release. So gotcha. So um, I'll have to check my emails because I heard news about that going on, and I I, I didn't realize it's closed beta, and I, I was like, it, this must be imitations, and I just didn't get one. Yeah, no, they sent um, it to anybody who backed to the right level. Okay, so and fifty dollars was enough. I, right? I backed at fifty or sixty. I can't remember. I know it's close enough to a full price game that I was like, I know for, I know I'm going to enjoy this game, and I like the idea, so I'm going to go ahead and support them at a, at what I would buy this game for at retail, even though yeah, I didn't have to. I know for sure I backed it at fifty, so I'll have to look at their. I'll have to go back and look at their Patreon rewards, even though I know it's backed one hundred percent now, so I doubt those are still up. But I'll have to check my email. But all right, well, time to move in to the main main topic despite our earlier tease apparently um what i thought would be fun saul and i want to see if you agree and we can do it however you think is best we didn't have a lot of time to talk about this ahead of time i know we teased it um but work has been hectic and i've not talked to saul a lot this week i have an um, idea i think it's gonna be the same as your idea okay my general idea i have this hef- this, this nifty little list pulled up from GameSpot that shows games releasing throughout <coughs> Excuse me. Throughout 2019, that way we go through from a month by month basis, and we can make sure that we're not missing anything that is currently scheduled there. Because of course, some of these things may not hit 2019. With a very small caveat, it ends after June or August, so there is no anything after August because obviously not all of us has been confirmed yet for that. Yeah. So August technically. So there's a there's a mixture. There's things that have release dates, and that's what we're looking at here. Then the list moves in to big games that have been confirmed for 2019, but do not currently have a release window. And we can actually go through that list and talk about those individually. So the reason that, one thing I thought would be cool about doing this, at least for the months that we know that have dates currently, I want to move through them month by month, and of course, in this general list, we're going to talk about every game that actually interests us, and I'm sure ours will differ in a couple places. Uh, But what I thought would be funny is are fun to do a little different I would be for every month after we kind of list every game name the game that you think is going to own that month for you like what's the game that's probably going to be the one that you're that's that, that going to be the be, most memorable and, and experience that's gonna and, be very, and why that's going to be very easy for me I already got my first two months I think so as well but I'm just curious uh, so that, you want to roll through with it that way yeah we could do that okay so We'll start off with January and January's releases as far as PS4 goes. Uh, I mean, we could talk about the other ones if you want to. No, let's um, keep it PS4. I think keeping it with PS4 exclusives or multi-platform uh, keeps a little more on topic and keeps it a little easier to go. I mean, there are games for other systems that I'm excited for, um, but for the most part, they're not, they're not really announced in a way that has a date, so that's okay anyway. Uh, first up, I think the, the ones that reach out to me the most in a way that I think is really interesting. I don't know how I feel about Ace Combat 7. I've never played them because of the fact that I've never had a flight stick, and I feel like if I'm going to play a game like that, I would want to go all in because essentially what you're doing with a game like that is trying to get as close to flying as possible. Well, if you want to do that, I think removing the barrier and going straight to a flight stick is probably the best way. I know that just like the racing genre, plenty of people play with a controller, yeah, and that it does some serviceable form of playing the game but for me personally i'm always having the most fun playing racing games when i'm doing so with a wheel so do you you it's a little off topic but similar or off topic but in the vein of the discussion uh you had uh mr b and bcis right no i did not you never i, I never class? did bcis okay in his class he had uh it was basically just computer lab uh and you'd have to complete these tests, and then you would have like 30 minutes of free time every day. Yep. He had Microsoft Flight Sims, and yep. he had the sticks. I was curious one day, so I asked him about it. I'm like, hey, these are really cool. How much are these? 
And he's like, well, we don't sell them, but they're like $800. I'm like, I don't believe that for one second. So I went and looked online. They're like $800. Oh, the ones we had at the school. Now, I think they've gotten better uh, as they've been This is also in like 2005. Get... So, <laughs> yeah, but no, I'm I did when have. I was a freshman in high school. 2004. Whenever I had, I can't remember what the class was called, to be honest. I, I honestly don't remember. Um, but they had, a, they had it in there as well. Um, and so, I mean. So there's so there's a couple things like now the, there are there are a hoary one coming out for PS4 specifically to support um, this game, but well, yeah yeah it's pretty good prices on them. So yeah, I'd I, imagine somewhere I, in the ballpark of three hundred. I am uh, I'm sure that this has some form of VR compatibility. It does. Okay, uh, cool. but so, it's limited in comparison to what we were originally hoping for. They they announced at the get go that it would have some form of VR support, but it's it is limited. It's it's similar to what we saw with Gran Turismo Sport. For them to do the rest of the game in the way they wanted to, and the and because VR is so demanding alongside what they're trying to aim to do this game, they have to give you VR in a specific mode that's built around the, the limitations of not only the system's ability to output for VR, but also the limitations of what PSVR actually is as a system. So yeah. I think when you when you couple both of those things together, it makes sense to not... I mean, it would have been nice for them, definitely how long the game has been in the works, similar to Gran Turismo Sport, but not quite as bad. Gran Turismo Sport was ultimately actually a short development time in comparison to Gran Turismo 5. Um, so uh, with that said, I think that they could have tried making a game that would be playable either way from the ground up. Uh, and just like you saw with Resident Evil 7, where from the early, early stages of, uh, of conceptual design, they were like, well, we're going to try and make sure that this game plays in a way that is conducive to a normal DualShock 4 and TV flat screen experience and feels great that way, but also keeps in mind everything to where those gameplay mechanics and elements and style all carry over in a way that feels just as fitting and at home as if it was designed exclusively. So both experiences feel like they were designed for it's each other. It's just a smaller space of the game. Well, I meant like Resident Evil 7. That game was made from the game. No, I'm, I'm talking about Ace Combat. So like yeah, what yeah, you're saying yeah. is that in the end, it's basically just like a smaller space. Exactly. So like gotcha. the limitation in Gran Turismo Sport, for anybody who hasn't seen it or hasn't messed with Fa- VR. Final Fantasy 7. Resident Evil 7 is fantastic in VR. Yeah, ex- exactly. And you can play the entirety of it. In yeah. There. But it's also a far more controlled experience. It's, it's different. It's not trying to be a simulation-based. That's There's all true. sorts of stuff. Uh, Gran Turismo Sport, and I assume that this is probably for general... How much games. they have to do in terms of processing other cars. I don't know. Or it may be in a sense to not overwhelm you. I really don't know why they chose to do it. Or if it was so that they kept their VR promise of having VR in the game but didn't have to focus as much on making sure the game was perfect for VR. You could just do this. So VR in Gran Turismo I could Sport see something like that. is 1v1. Uh, you literally get into a thing, but you're in the cockpit of the car. You can look out the window and see everything. And then you look yeah, beside that, you. That, and that is a, one I have. No, yeah. I haven't. What was the other racing game? Oh, you don't have Sport. Um, no, 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 no. I'm talking about I played a racing game here in VR. What game was that? Oh. Was it sport? Drive Club VR. Drive Club VR. That's what it was. Yes. That no. was a cool experience. It was okay. Drive Club VR was okay, but the experience for VR and Gran Turismo is better than that. But Drive Club VR was a more complete game gotcha. because it was multiple cars. Yeah. And, and multiple, multiple tracks. And yeah, multiple It was essentially a drivers. VR re-release, you know, yeah. of, of Drive Club. So, so I cool. think that's cool. I don't, um, I don't think that's going to... Th- Honestly, there's only two games in January I'm interested for. They're both very... Honestly, guaranteed me too. Yeah. So you want to go ahead and crack them out because we know what they are. Resident Evil 2 Remake and Kingdom Hearts 3. 
obviously Kingdom Hearts 3 is going to take January. Like, without a doubt, Kingdom Hearts 3 is probably going to take the year, if I'm being honest. And I hate saying that because, well, there goes our Game of the Year awards next year, so thank you all for tuning in. Um, I, as much as I love Kingdom Hearts... If they could provide a solid close to this story... With with maybe a hint of what the next saga will be. Okay, so I want to give them a little bit of a, a window into exactly why Saul has this mind space now because he already obviously had this. It's been exacerbated because over Christmas, I watched the trailer. Over Christmas Eve, he finally watched the final battle trailer, and there was so much going on in that trailer. And just in case there are people who are avoiding that, we're not going to talk about the. Trailer. We're not going to talk about it. So all we're going to say is that essentially, don't watch that trailer. Watching the trailer spoils like so. I'm many, not going to say spoils, but ruins a gameplay experience oh well one yeah i'll one give it major that one. but outside of that from a story perspective it introduces so many questions to this point that it becomes an even even bigger press on your mind of like it's not an uncommon opinion and it's not necessarily unknown as much as i love kingdom hearts that it does have a barrier of entry in the fact that it does have a slightly hard to, or not even really slight i think a very convoluted it story. has a convoluted story that's I'm hard to follow if you're not if you do not want to invest the time and energy into doing it it's not a game that you can put mild energy and time into and just have a great understanding it does take i'm well it either takes going down a lot of youtube rabbit holes that's and it, trying though. to piece each other together which you can do for yeah, over a couple of hours have and have a, a decent idea of what's going on in the story the other way to do it and have a really complete idea of what's going on in the story is actually to play the games and roll through because i've yet to see and i've seen a lot of really good ones that do a good job of doing the kingdom hearts plot in 20 minutes or less uh and there's been a couple there's been one that's trying to do it in like 10 minutes. I think that yeah, the 10-minute one, one that I've those. seen leaves a little too much out, in my opinion, but it still does a good job of at least getting you up to speed where you can play three. But essentially what Saul was getting at is that there's so many story threads that have happened across so many different timelines from the way that the Kingdom Hearts ethos and story has played out across all these releases that it's amazing to watch these trailers and see the things that they keep introducing or coming back and tying into and going, how are they going to resolve this. To resolve every bit of this in one game when this is supposed to be the final game in this chapter. And it leads you, and I think I get where you're going from. I think, obviously because of my love of the series, the hype machine is behind it and it looks amazing and fun and like something I've been waiting on essentially my whole gaming life. Uh, but I think outside of that, I think that it's easy to get kind of like grand illusions of like, nope, oh my God. And let me finish the thought real quick. Nope. But essentially... The fact you said grand illusions... Nope. Well, what I mean by that is that whether or not it is, it's easier right now without enough information to go, if they're able to wrap all these plot threads up in saying. one if game, they ha- if, how amazing is this game going to be this game, I, I, for I, people who understand what's going on? I promise on? you, if they do not wrap up the current arc and it's left on a cliffhanger or it leaves more to be determined in that arc with leaving questions open, I will make a video of me throwing that game in the trash. I think, real quick, and then we're going to move on a little bit to Resident Evil 2 Remake uh, before we move on to the next month. I think what's going on with Kingdom Hearts 3 and what they're essentially aiming for is they've already talked, and I think that they're doing this on purpose. They're trying to set up enough of an expectation for you to know that uh, there, there's 
there's going to be a continuation of Kingdom Hearts eventually. Right. It's a separate arc of characters, though. Yeah, they've been very specific in saying that this is the Dark Seeker saga, uh, which is specifically handled around Xehanort as the main main antagonist across all this. Uh, And I don't want to say... I think the best way to sum it up is saying that the Dark Seeker saga is really more about... Xehanort than any one other individual because he's the constant across every game. So, so for those that don't know, all of these games so far has been part of one saga and there is talks of a second. Now, essentially what I think they're going to do, and I think that this goes into one thing that we can kind of touch on from a slightly older news perspective. A lot of people were upset that Tetsuya Nomura came out and said, um, you know, we're sad that a couple people are... Uh, spoiling and leaking the end of the game but they said you know one thing they did do in this is that the epilogue scene which if anybody knows for kingdom hearts it is not an epilogue like you see in games like red dead redemption 2 or uncharted necessarily what they typically do with their epilogues is that they use their epilogues to be a small teaser into what essentially the next game is going to be and they're always so vague that you get one piece of information that's like whoa just to tie you over you don't even get that sometimes well, I don't want to go into too much, but like uh, Dream Drop Distance at the end of that, no, that's that is when you see yeah, when that, you see what happens and who gets well, a Keyblade. It's like whoa. Well, not uh, only, and that's all they did. I, I'm thinking of one specifically. Oh yeah, th- th- there's, there's plenty. No, there's, there's plenty. No droplet of knowledge in that really. But uh, and, and some of them are just enough to get you like I. You you get so caught up in the moment of like I don't understand what's going on, but I want to so bad. This uh, trailer. Yeah, it's, pro- it's the same phenomenon as the trailer that I watched, uh, which is so, probably why it's doing its magic. When you think about it in that sense, um, people were mad that he said that they're going to add in this epilogue scene with an update. I don't think that that's a bad thing to do in those games. And just to give a little bit more of a framing, some people are considering it an incomplete game and that you're going to miss out on something that's integral to the game. That's and not I how, think yeah. that, of course, we won't know until it comes out and we see what the epilogue actually is, but I think it's safe to say with my knowledge of Kingdom Hearts and every other game's epilogue that you're only going to get something that really doesn't affect the core of what that game is. And definitely because we know that this is aimed to be the last of this saga, what we're really going to get is some small snippet of info or some small video that essentially cements a small idea of where they might move forward. And it just... And all it's supposed to do, the real intention of it, is just to leave a little bit of a hype seed in your mind so that as they take a break, which I assume will probably be a real break, five years minimum. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. I think some of it's going to depend. We already know how long it's taken this game to come out, right? Uh, But I think that they're going to take a serious Kingdom Hearts silence. No re-releases, no remasters or anything for a a three to five-year period. And I think that they're legitimately going to give this game a rest uh, because of how long it's been going on. And because to an extent with this new series, you really do have to do something new. It doesn't mean that Sora can't be a part of it, but it's going to have to set a new foundation. Now, of course, the original lore in Kingdom Hearts can still carry over to an extent. And that's major overarching lore, like what Kingdom Hearts is. I assume that in this game, and this is not spoilers at all. I assume that what they're going to attempt to do in a a fitting way to end the saga like this is to at least give us some final idea of what Kingdom Hearts is, whether we resolve truly with Kingdom Hearts, and the next series goes on to still involve Kingdom Hearts, but around someone doing something entirely different involving it. Uh, And I I think that's a smart way to go about it. I kind of have to see that happening in a way. Yeah, I think that you can easily finally give us real information about what Kingdom Hearts is while still giving us just enough of vague 
backness to it to where we aren't completely told on what it is. And I think that you've seen Destiny already do this, right? Uh, to an extent, on a far, far smaller scale, where they slowly are trying to give you pieces of information regarding what the Traveler is so that you keep this weird, interesting backdrop, but that they can continue to pull this series forward because they need the Traveler. As like an integral part to the story. Yeah, and I feel like it's it's part of the, the franchise as a whole. So you... I think, and I think that's how you move it, right? Say Destiny does take a five-year break, which is not going to happen. But if they ever wanted to come back with a completely new set of characters, of all and everybody's gone, but we're coming back with new Guardians and everything's restarting. It's still there. Traveler right? still has it's to still be familiar. the conduit. Yeah. To well, he's he's also the conduit of why everyone gets their powers and what's going on. So I think that Kingdom Hearts is the same in that it's the linchpin of what you have to keep moving forward. Kingdom Hearts will continue to exist in in. It's in you know for eternity as it yeah. always has, uh, and maybe someone will come along to either use it in a great way or a bad way, and then we'll get a new arc off of that. But I do think Kingdom Hearts has it, it's it's the penultimate game of a long building series, so I think fans of that it's easy to see why that's going to own January and potentially the whole year for yeah um, for sure. But real quick, what are your thoughts on Resident Evil Two Remake? Have you been keeping up with it much? No, I'm, I'm trying to stay dark in a way on that game. I don't Did really you ever know. play the original and beat it. Or no, I never beat the original. Uh, do you remember? You might not. Uh, on PlayStation One, that there was an issue with like the disc where you would have to um, sometimes like open up the tray and close it, open it up to get the disc to run. Or was that just like I know whenever we played Chases, or he let me borrow Chases, it would become a thing of I don't know if his disc were always just scratched or what. But did you ever have to experience that where it was like you have to open up the tray, close it? hit the power button to see if it actually runs doesn't run do it again until the until the disc would actually read i don't recall that but i mean honestly it's been so long since ps1 see, that i remember that i had a ps1 that for a bit it wouldn't like it wouldn't stick closed no no like it, when you no, go to we, close the lid yeah, it would just pop to, back up we, and we like, had to constantly you have to hit the that. button to try and get it to unjam well like the reason i say that is that one weekend we were me chase whoops hit my mic and uh one of our other good buddies lance who i don't think you've ever met um we were all playing and we never beat it because of that it would get to one specific part in raccoon city where uh it would just stop and it was like the disc we got it from game or game exchange i almost said GameStop. game exchange back in the day um i don't think did it ever come to gamecube I don't think so. I don't think Not Resident did. Evil 2. Resident Evil 1 got a remake on GameCube, yeah. and it was the Resident director's cut. Resident got a cut. remake on DS. Well, director's cut, I think, even came on PS1. I actually can't remember on that. I think it did, and then it came out again on, um, uh, there on the a, 64. There was... There, I mean, on the uh, PS1. That's there, what I mean. Oh, or, there God, is a, there GameCube. Is a, I'm, I'm cloudy. But um, what's, what's funny about that, so you think it was just a bad disc? I think so, because we did get, um, we did get so many, like, not... What was the screen for PS1 disc red errors? I, honestly, I don't even. I, I don't remember if it just froze or what. But I mean, which is good to say. It means I didn't have too many problems with my PS One. But did you ever get from throughout even the PS Two era before we were graced with the the greatness of Blu Rays and their? I have never seen a Blu Ray not play. It's 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 really. I've odd. never. Yeah. Now I know what's happened because of the failure no, rating have. of anything. I have division. But, uh, oh yeah, yours. But that had and I don't crack. know what was going on. The, yeah, the, crack. the minuscule crack in the in the circle of the ring. Yeah, but as far as scratches go, you know, at GameStop, when people used to be like, I would honestly tell people when I worked there, we're supposed to push for uh, warranties. And oh, the warranties I would, are a scam. I would say 
We well, on Xbox 360 games. A lot of people utilized them because there really were issues. No, the Xbox was known for eating Xbox discs. 360s uh, games. That was the toothpaste peanut butter method. <laughs> That's what I was going to say on PS1 and PS2. Is did you put toothpaste in it and then I polish never, it off? I never did that on PS2, but I did that a lot on Xbox 360 games. No, 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 I'm sorry. The original Xbox, not Xbox 360. Do you ever wonder if it really was even that you were you were like what you were doing was working, or the fact that? By trying to do this weird method, you were actually taking it out and just cleaning it. It wasn't about the fact that you put toothpaste no, see, on it. I know for a fact it was the toothpaste because we would clean it with uh, with Windex and stuff, which I know you're not really supposed to use on disc, but still is like... Yeah, they, I don't know. That's, but uh, yeah, it, it has to do with the, the filling of the cracks that the toothpaste does. And it almost stays there. It acts as, as, a, as a clean surface. Just so the disc can read it up well, to play. You know, that's weird Instead because of, you know the way CDs and DVDs work. I mean, they literally fragment the information right. and, then it, and then it like does this little weird check, check. where it, it goes through and moves it's it. Like, yeah, so it's like, yeah, check this, to make sure it's all there. I then guess it, all that has to happen is that because a scratch is never across an entirety of a piece of information. It could come across one of those fragmented files uh, that could... And if the toothpaste is there to just give it enough to read and go yeah. to the other one, then it compiles Cause, it. Cause I remember on PS2 it happened on our... Uh, it was the very first PS2 game we ever... Technically, very first PS2 game we ever got. And we got it on Christmas. And it came... It bundled on our PS2. It was Star Wars Jedi Starfighter. And that happened to that game. That game was really fun. But it happened to that game. And those are those CDs, it. man. Those uh, blue back disc. Yep. Well, the, PlayStation would have black back disc. Don't yeah. forget about that. Yeah. And that was just a... That's just a paint, I think, right? Yeah, it was a, to make them look different, yeah. uh, essentially. I mean, uh, there was some odd stuff that went on with PS1's... Um, DRM controls, but it was easily manipulated. Uh, but yeah, I th- always thought those were funny. Like you just be hanging around with people, and people have all these crazy peanut fixes butter, peanut butter for what's going to do something. Like one out of every five times, two paints works like one out of three, and like worked pretty good. But yeah. yeah, so Resident Evil Two, I'm really excited for. All right, February has February got is two games for me. So much stuff coming though. So for people that don't know, February it's funny actually that Ace Combat Seven is coming on PS4 and Xbox One first, and then going to PC. Uh, but as far as games coming on uh, PlayStation and multiplatform in general, there's Trials Rising, Crackdown Three, Dead or Alive Six, Far Crackdown Cry New 3. Dawn, Jump Force, which is the uh, Shonen Jump game, Metro Exodus, Anthem. I don't know what. Oh, this is not on PlayStation 4, so it doesn't matter. Dirt Rally 2.0, Left Alive, which is the Square Enix uh, mech game. Trials Rising, uh, which is odd because I guess it's coming. What in the heck? So you said Crackdown. It's on here twice. Um, anyway. You said Crackdown 3. Yeah. Yeah, no. That's not a PS4 game. You're right. My bad. <laughs> I was rolling through the list so heavily. Uh, I was like, What? But yeah, when you said it on there, and it shows on there twice. I'm like, wait a second, what Two is going do. on? They got moved around, I guess, and but they are in stone for now. So I'm only looking forward to two games in February. I mean, I might pick up more than that, but like, I'm looking forward to more. I actually find this to be a hard month, and what I think is going to be my key. I feel like this this list may not be correct. Why? I feel like there was way more releasing on February 22nd. They moved a lot of it. Days Gone okay. moved. So the big dog anthem stayed there. So yeah. days, I know Days Gone moved to August? Uh, uh, April. If yeah, I, you're right. April 26th. Yeah. Uh, um, anyway, I think on this one... I think I I've never be been same. a big fan of the Trials games. They just I, they don't resonate with me by any standard. But I think if I had to go through which one, like I say, which one I think is going to be my my favorite is really up in the air because oh, I know I am mine. interested in Far Cry New Dawn. Interested five 
was ultimately fun and I enjoyed getting the platinum, but it was an overall step back for the series, in my opinion, in comparison to three and four. Uh, even Nine. though I applaud it for at least trying to do something new and not being just like three and four. Gotcha. That makes sense. I mean, uh, but it was even, enjoyable. Even then, I would have liked to see them keep certain things from three and four and move forward in other ways. Uh, one of the things they did good was, and um, trying to change that Far Cry formula was getting rid of the fact that you have to climb all these monotonous same towers. The mechanic in and of itself is fun, except for the fact that the towers are not varied enough. Uh, and, and it's going to sound like an odd complaint. It's actually my same complaint that I had with the shrines in Breath of the Wild is that they are different. They're not different enough. So every shrine and every tower starts to feel the same in both those games to me. Did you just say there are no towers in Far Cry 5? Yeah, there's one tower that you do, and and they use it as a joke to make fun of the fact that you don't have to do that the rest of the game. That's the very first tower, right? Yep. I don't know why I have a misconception about there being more towers in that game. Maybe I just climbed climbed on top of water towers and sniped. Oh, yeah, I think you could do that. But they made, and I like that they did tongue-in-cheek in in that and making fun of themselves for over-relying on that. Uh, Of course. And mainly because it's a Ubisoft staple, so if you but they you still seen Ubisoft games carry this and, and Assassin's Creed. Well, and like so, okay, and they usually use Assassin's Creed as the moving pin, right? So you saw Assassin's Creed Origins come out and uh, do away with the minimap, uh, instead go to a compass based system, and then you think about the way that they do collectathons. Those games are all still collectible heavy games and the way that they do things. It's essentially having a map that you look at and then you clear out the whole map. And that's essentially what Ubisoft games have been and probably will continue to be. They try and find ways to change up how you go about that. One of the ways to obviously change that up and make it feel like you're, you're not just staring at the lower left corner of the screen is to get rid of a mini map and instead go to a compass. I like that move across their games and I think it looks a lot better and it does make them feel more immersive. Um, and I also like that when we saw games like Skyrim and Oblivion, Oblivion already did it, uh, but Oblivion just put it in a spot that wasn't as useful, which was the bottom left corner uh, underneath all your stuff. And it just, it was there, and I guess it was a little less obtrusive, but I like when they did the Skyrim move and then exactly what all these other games have done, just like uh, Horizon, where they make it curve on the top of your screen, and it's like something that you always see out of your peripheral without having to even focus on it. You know what I mean? Um, I like that setup a lot more. Is it in the bottom left corner of Oblivion? Yep. Underneath your health and everything on the side. <coughs> You're not looking at Oblivion, are you? Yeah. Oh, there you are. That's HUD Alive. I don't know what that is. I mean... I think that moved it up. I may be wrong, but I was pretty sure that in Oblivion it had it right there. That's real Oblivion. Go back. No, I saw it. I just I don't know yeah. why I thought it was in the center. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, technically that is the center. That's just a word aspect ratio. I mean, I don't know. I guess it's because it's just the center bottom, but it always looked over on mine. But I guess it's because you moved to 16.9 when you're playing on a 16.9 as opposed to a 4.3. I think it was probably centered on a 4.3 TV and not on a 16.9. It moved it uh, further over. Um, but yeah, yeah with weird. that said, I think Far Cry New Dawn looks really interesting. And I like that they're doing the same thing they've always done where in between the main installments they reutilize the uh, the general map or whatever and then try and do something that far cry's never done so with uh 3 you saw them do Far Cry Blood Dragon, uh, which was moving into like a futuristic crazy thing. Then you saw 4 come out, and then they moved into Primal. Now you see 5 come out, and now they're trying to move it into this weird post-apocalyptic thing, um, which is interesting because they really have a potential 
to steal some of Fallout's magic away. The thing about the Far Cry series is it's it's not RPG enough to truly be a Far Cry, I mean a Fallout replacement, but it's going to get some people who just want to play a post-apocalyptic game. Yeah, over. like I'm gonna pick it up. I'm not really excited for it. Like I'm lo- I'm looking forward to it, but I'm not. Excited. I enjoyed five, so I imagine I'll enjoy this one, and that's enough to make me. That's, want that's to at pretty least much get my it. premise on it too. Yeah, not gonna compare to a- or not uh, not Jump Force Metro. Metro Exodus is the next one that I'm really excited about. Jump Force, I'm nope. Dude, so I, it's a cool concept. Just don't care. Same. Like, there's things I like about it. I like some of the characters they're putting in, which makes me more likely to get it. But I can't imagine a real reason. As and like I say, fight games for me, fighting games, I tend to want to play in the aspect of just picking them up, playing the story, rolling through it. And that's why I've liked what they've done so much with like uh, Injustice and Mortal Kombat. You roll through with a story, you can beat it. I enjoy that aspect. I get to feel like I still played the game and enjoy the mechanical side of it. I do a little bit of competitive and then I get rid of it. I can't see me doing that same steps with something like Jump Force. I, I'm similar, but I'm the opposite. Uh, for me, fighting games is pick up, play with friends and only with friends after I lock all the characters and then I'm done with it until somebody wants to play. Okay. So like, Fair enough. That's And that's where, for me, I don't really think that there's so many. Anthem, though, is the biggest for me, by the way. Oh, I, I imagine. I know we were just about to get to Anthem, but... but- Metro, and the reason I think is interesting is, that, okay, so I was a late bloomer to Metro myself because the first Metro game um, was an Xbox 360 exclusive, and I didn't have a 360. And even though it looked interesting, it was also one of those things where I was like, I don't know the developer. I don't know the publisher. I just, I feel like I, I it, even though it looks cool, because I was so more guarded with my money back then. I thought it was made by the same team who made Prey. The original Prey. Oh, so yeah. So that put yeah. me off of it real bad because that I game can see was that. garbage. Uh, but anyway, that's one of those things where I didn't get to play it. And then whenever they made Last Light, the sequel to 2033, a PS3 game, I bought it on a whim one day when I was at home, lived out in the country, had a truck that drank gas, didn't feel like driving into the city and spending too much money. So I just said, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and spend $60 on this game and hope it's good and download it. Uh, and I ended up really enjoying the game. I loved it. So when they actually announced Metro uh, Redux uh, for PC and PS4, um, at that point, I was thinking maybe I'll just get it on PS3, but I ended up buying the game for cheaper of the original, yeah. uh, 2033 on PC, and just playing it there and enjoying it just as much. So the Metro series actually found a way into my heart later in its life than some. Uh, so, But I mean, it's, it's, Exodus it's, looks amazing. It looks like everything I liked about 2033 and everything I liked about Last Light. And me and you are in slightly different camps on there. I thought Last Light was a better game than 2033. I still need to play it again. You like played 2033. And this is a caveat, and this is not be why we feel differently. You played twenty thirty three with the improvements that Last Light put into it mechanically, exactly. and they the retroactively HUD, uh, put the into mask, the game. The uh, the I think the ammo system was completely changed over to be more scavenge to make you scavenge more. Um, but yeah, I liked it a lot to make you role play a little bit more. You know, the yeah, way that yeah, your mask totally. can break and right. filters work a little bit differently. Uh, it's one of those things where. I like both games, but I think what they were going for in a tonal aspect worked out better. And and also, I mean, this is this is going to sound a little shallow, but I mean, of the two, Last Light is gorgeous. It, it's still pretty. I need to play more of it. On PS3, it blew me away. It ran at 1080p, 30 frames per second, solid. On a PS3, which is very odd because most games just ran 720. 
And it was just a weird experience for me. But I loved it, and I like what they're doing with Exodus. I like the idea of trying to go with a bigger map, actually letting me go out and explore these areas without being necessarily on rails. Now, they're doing what a lot of these linear games are doing, which is trying to give you the idea of a uh, wide linear, where you essentially have a small playground hub area that you can go around in, but it is still from the background funneling you in a certain direction so that you can get these story beats. But you get a little more breadth, uh, a little more room to take a breath and explore and do what you want to do, which was already actually well done, like I say in Last Light, in the way that they make you want to explore, similar to like The Last of Us, where you want to scavenge to make sure you have the supplies needed to survive. It's one of the games that brings out one of my worst traits when playing them, and it's I have this inventory full of crap that I don't know if I'll need later. I'm going to keep it all, and then you don't need half of it later. I have that problem in RPGs. Fierce. Any game that there's, if there is a sensation to hoard, and I don't know if I need it later, like I had to stop playing Subnautica because of that. I was like, do I need this? I need this. I need this. And then by the end, I was like, my inventory is full and I don't need any of this crap. Uh, but yeah, so I'm definitely going to get Metro for sure. But um, in terms of like the games I like more, the games I think I'm going to have a better experience with, I think Anthem is it's actually one of my most look forward games in. 2019 that one there that one another game that comes uh in march but i think the, the experiences anthem's gonna provide because i know you're getting it i'm getting it people who play destiny with is getting it sean's getting it so it's like these people that are getting it uh it's gonna it's gonna like be a real fun like multiplayer experience i think which is a completely different kind of experience that metro provides it's a real drastic difference they're but, very different and i think yeah. that your proclivity versus mine in terms of what we look for in a game and what we gravitate to i think it makes a little more sense that metro seems more like a solid experience that i a i know what it is to an extent like it's a known quantity right uh of a, of a world I already have interest in and intrigue in uh, that I would like to see wrap up in a cool way. And I think when you couple that with the fact that I already like story-focused games more and that we don't quite know right now where Anthem's going to fall, I think it makes sense that I am a little more grasping towards the, the linear single-player game and you're grasping more toward the... and it, Now, this is saying this as somebody who has really enjoyed playing Destiny 2 again, but our proclivities tend to be that you are a little quicker to gravitate towards online experiences than yeah, I am. Uh, yeah, and I think sure. that makes sense. Now, I'm excited for Anthem, but I have so many questions of the things that they've said so far where it sounds great, but it sounds like one of those things where it's too good to be true. That's what I'm kind of excited for, honestly, because it the, seems the like... will they, it or won't it? <laughs> well, no, it seems like that they have put so much product into this company and so much marketing, so much Twitter use, and then the streaming they've done... It feels like they would know that they would probably go bankrupt if this ends up being... Now you said product. I assume you mean stock. No, I'm just talking about the product. I mean, I guess I, I don't follow what you mean I am by medicated. product. I don't remember what I said. <laughs> yeah, I, I really have a don't. problem too. You said that they've put a lot of product into the company. Now, what do you mean by that? Oh, they have put a lot of care into the product. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. So like I feel like that they know that this will Maybe it's not a good idea to podcast when we're sick. No, maybe not. But uh but never miss an episode. Yeah. <laughs> maybe yeah. this is the cost of never missing an episode. Continue. You're gonna hear us ramble. But I think that they know that they'll get into, they'll be in big trouble, especially after what Bethesda's going through. If Bioware faces another terrible launch of any kind or if they are uh if they're worried for any reason, I think they would let us know for the most part or about something about at least a warning of some sort. I don't, 
I'm not a huge, huge fan of Bioware though. So like I, I kind of I'm putting faith in them. I should really say. Okay, and I get you, and and I and I understand where you're coming from, and I agree with all your points except for the fact that it doesn't matter what Bioware think. It matters what EA thinks. Uh, right, this game has already been delayed once. Scary. So the idea in, in most people's mind when you're thinking of a game is, well, if it still needed time, they would delay it. But we know two things. EA is notorious for not wanting to delay games. And secondarily, EA already let them delay this game once. So those two things together do understandably make me look at people who say that they're worried about this game I, I sympathize with them because I understand when you're thinking about what EA has traditionally done, uh, there's for people who maybe have interest in these types of things. Uh, I listened to an audiobook, thank you, Blake, of uh, Blood, Sweat, and Pixels, which is uh, Kotaku editor Jason Schreier's book about game development. And in it, he talks about um, a big turnaround point, actually, for BioWare and for the Dragon Age series after it kind of went towards a bad side uh, with Dragon Age 2. It wasn't quite what you saw with Mass Effect Andromeda, but it was a lot it of... Was a, uh, it was a big shift of people going, this is not at all what I wanted from this series, and it's a big yeah. change. Uh, so when you think about it in that sense, he rolls through and he talks about the fact that um, they wanted to make the game be for next-gen only so they wouldn't be held back. Uh, but EA didn't. So they wanted to make sure that it, even though they were giving them the go-ahead to make it for next-gen, it still had to run on previous-gen. So again, that's a concession that they had to go into and keep in mind going there. EA pushed a lot of different ideas away and through in, in an effort to try and min and max profit, and that's what companies do. That's what they're meant to do. And as much as we don't like it as consumers who want to look at these things as pieces of art that we think should be as close to perfect as we can, it's really easy to forget the side of the business trying to do what they think is going to make them the most money. Now, ironically, in in the push of Dragon Age Origins, I mean Origins, I'm sorry, Dragon Age Inquisition actually did very well in spite of the problems that they had throughout development, uh, and it was a big return for the franchise. But ironically, in chasing what they think is the best way to make money, EA often loses the plot and it makes less money than they otherwise would have because. Us as fans of the medium immediately look at it and we say, okay, if you want me to buy it and you want me to be excited about buying it and talking to other people about buying it and creating this great word of mouth loop, the easiest way to have me do that is to make a game that is not only commercially viable because to an extent it has to happen, but Correct. you need to enter. You need to don't intervene. Don't interfere as much as possible. Let them, let people make a game that, speaks on its own words. Don't worry about all these different things. So one thing you could happen, right? One thing you say is that they're trying to min-max profits and go against the losses. And you have to do this thing as a company where essentially you have to show how much you spent in any given year and how much you made in any given year. So to try and balance that as much as possible, you have to play this game of delaying sometimes, but typically you see games delayed into a point where they're still coming in just under the end of the year so that they can have that first month sales or even first week sales hitting against what their loss uh, margin is. And so what you see in the patterning is that you think as a consumer, the best way to make me want to buy a game and make more money off of a game is make the best game you possibly can. Well, right. a, if you let, if you allow certain developers to do that, they'll never finish, and they'll they'll strive for perfection to a point where they cost too much, and it's it becomes unviable. The secondary thing about that is, though, regardless of whether EA do think that they would make more money on it in the long run, 
if they released a game that at launch was better than it could have otherwise been, they have to put that against the risk of not releasing within that quarter and making their losses look too severe for their for their it's, uh, uh, it's simple, what do you call it? their their uh, stockholders. Simple profit and loss. So when you look at that way, it's easy to go. Okay, EA is pushing Anthem back and letting them do that. So obviously they want them to just release the best game they can. And I think it's important. I think if EA doesn't let BioWare get away here and do what they need to do, they do risk making the BioWare name very tarnished. Yeah. Um, and I think that I, I do want to say though, that like they would be idiots for this game to come out and release in a broken state. And I agree, I, but I don't want to call them idiots. So like I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt for the most part, because I, it, it really, the only real reason why is because I want to see this game be good. That's really the only reason why. So, I mean, for so for February, that game takes it for me with Metro right behind it, not too far behind it. But right I am very heels. excited. I, I'm in that. I'm in that thing of where you're saying, and that will it or won't it of Anthem is enough. You know, right? Just to kind of see where it goes. <laughs> Moving on to March, though, I think March is a little more of a clean cut one. I know there's a couple here that are interesting to both of us. I think the first one is a big one, and I think a lot of people are very interesting to see where this comes from. It's Devil May Cry Five. I know Saul and me were both like, "Whoa!" at the trailer reveal of it, even though it'd been rumored for so long. Uh, what are your thoughts on? Are you looking at Toe Jam and Earl? I was because I get those confused with another Sega Genesis character. Uh, but yeah, Devil May Cry 5 is something I'm getting day one for sure. I, re- I really am looking forward to it after seeing some more of the trailers, hearing some more of the music that it has. And I really, I, I watched one video of the Xbox demo, and that's it. I didn't want to see anything more. So Just I, enough to know that the gameplay is aiming towards what you want. Just to know that the gameplay is there. Because the game, if the gameplay is Devil May Cry gameplay, I'm going to enjoy the game no matter what. And that is why DMC is a good game. I was about to say it. No, it <laughs> I'm really, glad you did. That's why DMC is a good game. The, the combat is good. Some people's problems with DMC was specifically around the fact that they that they focused more on a 30 frames per second than 60. And I can that see a, that. That is a massive problem. I, that, in my now, you, you did at least replay the game, if not your first time playing it, being on PS4, PS4 which yeah. was 60 frames per second. Right. So just to paint so, that a little bit. Yeah. I still think it was a good game on PS3, but it does feel better on PS4. So... Um, with that said, I'm excited about that one as well. Uh, but that's just because it's a genre that's not a seen very often. The hack and slash genre, definitely in this pure, it looks like this game is sticking with pure Devil May Cry controlled camera. You do not control where the camera goes. They set up a specific scene it. and let you good. move through. And considering that God of War has now moved away from that controlled camera and into an over the shoulder, you control it. Uh, Devil May Cry is going to be one of those last bastards of a of a original traditional action hack and slash game. Yeah, and I think there's something to be said about that. And I think. Somebody needed to do it, and it makes sense to do it with a name as big as Devil May Cry. So I'm excited to see where it comes down to. Uh, the last two that I think uh, – I'm curious. Where do you stand on the Division 2? Because I know we both enjoyed the Division. It's, but is Division 2 a day one with you, or does it really depend on whether Anthem hooks you or not? It really depends on the Anthem. Is, what? <laughs> that, I don't know if I just had a stroke mid-talk there or you know mid-conversation. Uh, it really depends on if Anthem is good. If Anthem is really, really good and can hold my attention, a combination of Anthem and Destiny, I think, may pave the way for Division 2 to go on the backlog. Now, if it if Anthem is just so-so, and there are more friends that I know willing to play Division 2, like Ryan and John, that I know they will be, then, yeah, that may be picked up. It's one of those that I'm excited for, but 
I'm looking forward to, but I'm not just overly excited for it. I'm right where you are. I enjoyed my time with the Division One, and we came into it very late, or I did at least. I think Saw actually played before that. I, yeah, I, I came in like a year maybe, so not super super yeah. far in its life. Uh, super but I picked previous. it up and played with uh, Ryan, a uh, friend of the show. And it's one of those things where I agree with Saul. Right now, I am already know that I'm, I'm into Destiny as long as they don't screw up again, which is possible. Couple that with the fact that Anthem is beating the Division 2 out. It's going to just essentially be a time game of if Destiny still has me hooked and then Anthem also hooks me and I'm trying to bounce between the two of them and they are different enough to play, then the natural conclusion is that I just don't have enough time to enter in a third game as a service that you meant to play over a long period of time like that. It's just too hard to stretch yourself that way when there's other games coming out. Uh, so I, that's where I stand on the division. It does look good. It looks like it improves a lot of the things about the first game. The division has an eye for detail that Destiny just doesn't, and it's something I really appreciate. Also, New York and is snow-covered. Uh, in the environments is amazing. Yeah, but no, I'm gonna be sad that's gone in, in two. Or well, from some of the environments we've seen, I don't know if I've seen we've seen the snow yet, right? I mean, who knows? But it is going to be in Washington, and I like the idea of giving me more variety. But it would be nice to not take one variety of of weather conditions away just to go to another one. Right. That's what we've seen games do for a long time. Uh, that's essentially the idea behind Uncharted. Well, Uncharted 2, we're going to show off our snow tech. It's going to be all snowy. It was. And there, are other, there are other areas, but we're going to show snow as our main thing. And then Uncharted 3 was like, we got new sand tech. We're going to show you what our sand does. We're going to have a lot of sand parts in the game. It's just what they do. You saw in the first game of Uncharted, it was like, well, we have this lush jungle environment we're going to use a lot. Uh, that's just the way the games were for a long time. I would like to see something in, alongside, like, I would like to see the division give me the ability to be in a area that looks a little more tropical, maybe a little more heat. But, you know, it's going to be in Washington, from what I understand. It's going to be on the Capitol. So when you're doing it in that sense, they have a lot of ability to play with. Like, one thing they already did was they went into a uh, bio uh, dome, essentially. And I like the idea of letting me see kind of like, okay, here's a more jungle-like environment that's controlled. Yeah. But then we're going to move I you agree. outside where you're in this big, normal, like, foresty area uh, that's a little more, you know, warm than New York was, not only in color, but obviously temperature. Sorry, and then oh where God. do they go from there? Do they let it circle into uh, – do they move into real-time seasons? These are things I haven't seen either because I'm trying to balance that thing of where if Anthem doesn't hold me, I still want to be surprised by some of the division. Yeah, that's um, – Pretty on par with me as well. So I think that's there. But I think that there's a resounding uh, agreement here that Sekiro Shadows Die Twice is probably the game that's going to own uh, that month for us. Because that's correct. I think that Devil May Cry 5 is still... Uh, the Devil May Cry series has been a lot of different places. But I think Sekiro and our love for From Software secure, for now, our will and you know our goodwill towards them of we know that they shouldn't steer us in the wrong direction right and that's that's exactly the ground i'm holding if you haven't seen sekiro go check it out if you're a souls fan i mean i can't imagine that you'd miss it we've talked about it plenty of times on the show but really go look at it it is going to be different from the souls and games in a number of ways but it looks like taking that souls dna and just trying to transplant it in a way that we've not seen done and not in the way that we see other games do it where they take the soul style and slightly tweak it so that it still really plays like a dark souls game in a different lore set. Instead, they're saying, how do we take some of these ideas, pull them back a little bit, a bit to be a little less RPG-like. A little bit. Just a little bit. Uh, anyway, 
pull them back a little bit to where they're not necessarily so RPG heavy. And then from there, you essentially do this thing where <coughs> they're like, okay, well, how do we make the gameplay from Dark Souls similar or familiar, I should say, familiar yet feel new. Well, first thing you do is you add verticality, right? How do you add verticality? Not only are we going to make it where you literally climb and scale levels, we're going to make it that by doing so, you're going to do so by literally, you know, throwing out a, um, a what do you really want to call it? A hook shot or a grapple uh, and, and fly around the worlds that way. And that's an interesting idea. I mean, that's taking these Dark Souls style. And it's funny, the only people that you can really do this, the only people that could do something like that, where these other people are taking inspiration from Dark Souls, they're taking inspiration from Dark Souls in a whole different direction. They're going, well, Dark Souls is us. How do we take our identity as a game developer and push it in a whole new direction and create something that's not even a Souls-like? Instead, yeah. we're going to go with something that feels familiar for Souls fan, but also ties into a little bit of this Devil May Cry 5 style. And I think that it's safe to say a that... A good mixture of both worlds. Yeah, they're going to keep the challenge there, in a sense, by also trying to make it a little more action-oriented than we've seen. I agree. And that looks great. I mean, the game looks amazing. I don't... I have played this game of looking at just enough to continue to be, like, super hyped and engaged. I haven't looked at anything. Yeah, I, I see. I try not to not look at anything so that I can speak on it at least a little bit. Yeah, uh, as part of the show, and I like that. And I never like to not do anything. I like to look at just enough to make my decision and then stop. Yep, and I, tends I, to be where I go. What's crazy is the rest of the year. So April, May, June, August, no July. But these are all ones and twos uh, yep. from stuff because not a lot of stuff confirmed, and then a bigger list. And then it's funny because a lot of them are going to be handled on their own. So first things first, well, we go ahead say, and go. I'm not interested in any of these games. Really? Any of these. So, Well, I, I want to give April this. The two games that are here on April right now are Mortal Kombat 11 and Days Gone. I've talked ad nauseum about Days Gone, so if you've watched the show for a long time, you know what that is. But a quick synopsis, I love Ben Studio. That's the developer making it. They have made a Do number of spinoff games and just games I like in general. I like the Siphon Filter series. I would like to see it come back to an extent, but I do applaud them for going in the new IP direction. Bubsy Definitely 3D. after being off onto side games for so long. So the side games they've done was uh, Resistance Retribution uh, for the PSP, which was taking the Resistance gameplay and moving it towards a third-person style that's a little similar to what they were trying to do uh, with Siphon Filter on those uh, and transplanting that into the uh, Resistance world. I enjoyed it a lot. Then we saw them do Uncharted, uh, Golden Abyss, which was a Vita launch title, uh, which was very true to what Uncharted was while also taking their own idea. And it's all going to show you their Bubsy 3D, which is not a game from them that I love, but you know what? Not a game History is important. Anybody loves. Uh, but yeah, with that said, I, I love them and trust them as a developer, and I'm glad to see them get this chance to do something big and new. I wish it wasn't necessarily zombies, but that's not... That's my caveat. It's not... I think that they wanted to make a zombie game, and I appreciate that, and I think that it's we will get a good... I think we'll get a good game because they're making a game they want. I don't think they're doing this off of a trend. No. Uh, it's and just, that's the upside. Yeah. I think that this game is still going to have the passion needed to go into it. This isn't that quick cash grab we were seeing five, six years ago, uh, maybe even a little bit longer. You know, when we, you were seeing nothing um, except for zombie game after zombie game. And I really mean late PS3 era oh, when you yeah. had Left 4 Dead do so well that then you saw uh, Zombie, oh god, what, what was that uh, game made by the people who actually this is a good zombie game in uh, most people's opinions. Uh, uh, Dead Island. And, Dead Island. Uh, yeah, yeah. Dead, Dead Island, Island was and, one and of them. Now you said that I can't think of the good game. 
Dying light. <laughs> Dying light. <laughs> there we go. Uh, but I think that now that that's kind of died down, I think the only thing that we've continued to say, and some people question why people say this of the competition with The Last of Us, it's only because exclusives get a different limelight than third-party games it's do. It's also because it's a major PlayStation exclusive that is also a zombie game. That's what I mean. So, and now you can argue all day long. Some people go, well, they're not zombies. And no, technically neither of them are zombies. They're freakers and they're... They're zombies. Yeah, exactly. They're, they're zombies. zombies. They they're, really they're, are. They're undead human beings. They're a, Why they're they a are take undead. on zombies to try and make them a little more... I mean, don't be wrong. I'm glad they're not just zombies. That would be to me, awful. To me, but, for people who say, oh, they're not zombies, they're... Um, okay. What, clickers? Yeah. Or freakers? Well, no, I'm just talking about uh, The Last of Us, like... Why, like the people who have said that the, the things in The Last of Us are not zombies because of the way they have been taken, and I forgot what it is. I know it's a real life thing that really only affects small insects, yeah, and uh, other uh, microbe style beings. Or I normally know what it is, but it's chlora something. I, yeah. I can't. I, I'm brain dead right now. But, but yeah, I, I like the idea. Like, Those aren't zombies. They're they're zombies. These are undead people. Just how they became zombies doesn't mean they're not zombies. They're yeah, zombies. and you can view it in ants. I mean, it takes over the ant, and then their body just becomes a host, and then it literally takes over their motor function and everything. Yeah, it's, a, you it's can a say fungus. They're, they're a parasite. That, I mean, that's true. Uh, but that's not too far from what we've seen. Uh, people traditionally will call uh, Resident Evil zombies, and Resident Evil isn't traditional zombies. Technically, but, I'm say the same know. way people say that, they're cultists in four, not zombies. Yeah. Which is, I think, the same in five, right? Yeah. No, no, it's not. No, it's not. Well, They're I mean, not cultists in five, right? Well, the ones yeah. from Africa are they actually turned? No, they're. I can't it, remember five at all. I remember I beat five the boss. Is still the, weird. But I beat the final boss of the rocket launcher like two minutes. Look, it's been a. I, all I'm saying is that games traditionally have tried. Definitely ones that try and stand out as zombie games try and take a weird stance on uh, the zombie thing and, it, and i mean it works sometimes i do think that the clickers are one of the more interesting ideas oh, sure. trying to take a zombie idea because when well, they can't see you i mean like that's, it, that's actually me, interesting for, and utilizing sound as a mechanic is cool but right for me it's not even a it's not even a complaint that they are zombies it's just i'm tired of them so like it would be cool if they're zombies and this was five years from now but i got to deal with resident evil 2 which i love so i'm gonna i'm excited for that then I have to deal with The Last of Us 2, which also I love. I'm excited for that. And their known quantities. You know what you're getting. Yeah. A so, lot of people don't even know who Bend are. Yeah. So there's there's not that trust that comes with just going, well, Naughty Dog is making a zombie game. And you go, well, I don't really like zombies and I'm tired of them, but it is Naughty Dog. So and, I wonder how it's going to be. And I might eat my own words here, but like, I'm not going to get it at launch. I'm probably going to get it a couple weeks later when everything's died down. Um And I'm just not really excited for it. The same really goes for Mortal Kombat, except I know I'm not getting Mortal Kombat. I am one. so in between on Mortal Kombat You know 11. why I know that? Because I know one person that'll get it in real life, and then that's all I need. And you just play it. I'll just play it. Yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't need that's it. That's probably how I'm going to approach Mortal Kombat. I will play it and enjoy it, but not on my dime. Yeah. Blaze, got to buy Mortal Kombat, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I think Days Gone is going to be mine for April. We'll move through May real quick. May is Rage 2 and Team Sonic Racing. Team and as Sonic much as Racing. I love, as much as I love kart racers... The fact that they're changing away from the Sonic All-Stars racing is a little weird to me, so I'm going to be cautious, but it still looks good. Rage 2 looks like putting Doom gameplay in in open world, so I'm going to give Rage 2 the answer on there. Uh, I also think that Rage was... Giving Rage a chance so many years later to be redeemed in the series is actually a good idea, and it may be the goodwill that Bethesda needs. I really don't care neither. Like I'll, I'll end up getting Rage. Rage is the same as Days Gone. I'll end up getting it one day. 
but I'm probably not going to get it. Well, and the problem there is that Rage comes late in a year full of post-apocalyptic stuff, or at least a year period, because we have Fallout 76, then we have Far Far Cry. Cry hit it hard with not only Fallout 76, but the colorful aesthetic of that world. It's very reminiscent of of, uh, Rage to me, because it's very, at least Rage 2, because it's very dark. And they're beating beating Rage to the punch. Yeah, it's very yellow, but with vibrant blues and purples and pinks. It's crazy. From a gameplay perspective, though, I can almost guarantee you Rage will be will feel far more fluid. And, polished, yeah. Uh, well, Bethesda, so... I don't mean polished. I just mean in terms of when it works well. It'll feel, ma- it'll, it'll feel like it's made for that... The game will feel like it's properly made for what it is. Yeah, and I don't necessarily know sense. that Far Cry is going to do that. They've yeah. not failed before. I'll give them that. Primal was actually a very good idea of taking guns away from Far Cry and still having a fun Far Cry. Far Cry game. Five had good good gunplay, so it's possible. But it depends on other things in the world. I still think Doom's gunplay was better than Far Cry Five. Of course, that's essentially it was. where I'm leaving. So uh, when you lean towards Rage, looking so much like and and, and it's Doom off was working polished. with them. Yeah, Doom was polished. So, that's what I mean. It's it's not be it's not. Outside of the shadow of possibility, there's where's Doom on this list? I just never realized Doom's not even it's, on here. Oh, um, is it not confirmed for next year? I don't guess so. Okay, well, we'll move on. Keep talking about it. All uh, right, so that gets well, that June. June Crash Team Racing Nitro Fuel that would have won it for me anyway. Right yeah, now. I'll play. I'll play at Ed Brett's house with them. I might buy. I actually, we'll probably buy that game. Yep. Uh, Shinbu Three comes out next year, but I don't know, man. I have no history with those games. I so have very I, little history with those games, but it really comes down to the fact that that game has been delayed so many times, and it just. You know, I know that Dan, our, our overseas buddy, uh, I know he's excited for it, and that's I am. I wait to see his reception because, as somebody who loves those games, is enough for me to trust his opinion. If it comes out and, and scratches the itch for him, I may go back and give it a try. But we'll wait for that for now. Uh, okay, closing out the year with games that we are, that are on this list that we know are coming. Uh, Code Vein is actually one that I'm interested in. Very I like much the, so. I. At first, I was a little shaky on it because it seems like an easy idea of trying to capitalize uh, Bandai Namco on the uh, on the Soul series, which is theirs. Uh, but I like the idea of giving it this real anime look. And so far, the gameplay looks fun enough that, like I said, Sekiro is going in this other direction. So it's not like we're getting multiple Dark Souls games necessarily. This lets me have a Souls-like game with an aesthetic that's far different. And I do think the idea of the story sounds cool enough. So I'm going to give it my benefit of the doubt and I'm excited for it. And I really hope that it comes and it blows me away. If it does, that's awesome. Uh, Catherine full body. I am curious as how much they're going to change and uh, world end. Actually the discord mentioned something that I think would be really interesting. Are they going to include the original version of the game without the changes for those who want to experience it that way? and let people play the new way, or is it only going to be this new way? And I'm torn between that myself. If you've not played Catherine, it's a very odd puzzle game. Does very... it fit into the SMT universe? I don't know. I don't think so, but it very well might. I haven't played enough of the SMT games to know for sure, you know? Uh, but it's an interesting game that plays on a lot of odd stuff. It's a puzzle game. If you've never seen Catherine, go check out the full body trailer, see if it looks interesting to you. Uh, it's, like I said, very Japanese heavy in terms of what it's doing from a story perspective uh, and from a quirkiness perspective. It uses a lot of funny animation stuff. Uh, but it does play between a lot of interesting things. And what they're doing over the original version of Catherine is adding in a third character uh, who's going to play as a another anchor in this love triangle uh, and i'm curious to see how they're going to play off of that i need somebody to recommend me that catherine is good if, if you recommend it catherine's, me, catherine's good i need somebody else good. Than Brett recommend me that catherine is good I, I know you liked it 
okay. I gotta get enough. I gotta get enough convincing. Liam, tell this boy. World in. Other than Liam, Liam's boy. cheating. Okay. Well, what world in? That works. All right. I'll say y'all just let me know if it's good. Everybody, if you like the Catherine game, go flood Saul and tell him that you liked it. What's sad about it is the next list on or game on this list is Psychonauts two. So like it jumped halfway through the list with all being Xbox and PC or yep and Switch games. Psychonauts two, I'm excited nope. for because I like the original, but it Wait. almost seems like a game that might be too stuck in its time, and I just I I genuinely don't yeah. know. I, I am. I still enjoy Psychonauts, but I don't know if it's because of nostalgia or because it's actually a great game. I'm I'm honestly torn. I I feel like playing it is too nostalgic to for me to separate the two and know which one is true. But if Psychonauts two capitalizes on that nostalgic nostalgia in the right way, it might still work out to be a fun game for me. But I'm not necessarily getting it day one. Don't know about that. Now Skull and Bones. Okay, Skull and Bones is the Ubisoft Pirate sea of Thieves. Essentially, but actually a little more in depth than Sea of Thieves. Uh, sea of Thieves right. takes it's, a it's little bit more of a mechanical. yeah. It's going to be far more realistic. It's it looks like the idea behind Skull of Bones, and I think that they've actually said this. So I, if not, I'd be amazed that it wasn't this. It looks like somebody at Ubisoft was like, "Look, you know how many people loved Assassin's Creed Four specifically for its in depth ship combat." What if we took its in-depth ship combat, made it into its own full-fledged game, and then upped the mechanics even further so that it makes sense as a full game and make it to where it's multiplayer? And I think that that's probably realistically where this idea came from. Enough people asked about them doing ship mechanics, and they still do ship battles, not only in Origins, uh, but we see it again in Odyssey from my understanding. So it's been such a fan-favorite game mode for the Assassin's Creed series that it makes sense that it keeps coming back around. Yeah, um, and I am uh, so I, I'm excited I, for it. Like, I want to get a pirate crew together. I like Sea of Thieves enough. That's two really good pirate games. That taking the idea and moving it into something that I can play with more friends because it's going to be multi-platform makes it even more enticing. Yep, and the fact that it and Kingdom Hearts 3 are battling up for the best pirate games. So. <laughs> I'm curious. sail in, in Kingdom Hearts 3 like that, too. I'm, I'm really curious as how it's going to end up in Kingdom Hearts 3 and if it's going to be more of a passive thing or not. I think it's not. more of a passive thing. Star Wars uh, Jedi Fallen Order looks really cool. That's the respawn. So that's uh, saying EA. expected. I want to clear that up. We really don't know. This is one that I feel like we may hear about next year, but we will not cool. see it until 2020. That's a book, I'm pretty sure. I don't know what it looks like. There's not anything in this game yet. Yeah. So yeah. I like the idea. I like the developer. We got the surge too. Saw is gonna die with excitement when this game comes out. I'm gonna pass out from. You know what? No joke. I actually may try it because I nope. think. Hold on. I think nope. that the surge had the potential to be something special, and it just missed it. But it was way too repetitive for what it was. Oh, it's very I've repetitive. On, that was on. the death of it. It was repetitive not only in gameplay. I like the idea of targeting body parts, but they utilize it too much. It wasn't something too special, and they every enemy felt the same. And that has to be it, though. Like that's how it too has to be, right? That's the core of the game. Body. Parts I don't know, and man. Stuff. I really don't know if they can try and and focus on a way of introducing more character, like enemy designs and enemy types, so that you have a more dynamic gameplay time. That's where I kind of stand on there. I think there's only one left on this list for me, at least. Twin Mirror is definitely on there for me. Yeah. I like well, Don't Nod already. Uh, Don't Nod are the people that were behind Remember Me, which is a late PS3 game that Capcom published that Final was originally going to be a PS3 game. I love that game. Uh, Final Fantasy Seven. Weird story. <laughs> weird story for Remember Me, but if you can ever play it, if you still have a PS3, it's got great combat and a serviceable story. It's a little bit nonsensical, but if you kind of suspend disbelief, it's fun. I always get Remember Me and Beyond Two Souls mixed up. 
and I don't They're know why. Massively different games. I know. It's funny. I know. Every time I picture Beyond Two Souls, I get remember me's cover art in it. It's like the, as the Neo game. Paris or whatever it was. Uh, it's just it's weird. Anyway, I think that don't nod. They they went from Remember Me into Life is Strange. And as much right. as I think Life is Strange is a solid game, a good game, I mean, I enjoy both of them. They have decent enough stories that are engaging, and they make me connect enough with the characters that I enjoy them. Uh, but what they did whenever they came back with Vampire this year, they showed me that from a gameplay perspective... Not into Vampire? Yes. I think I knew that in the back of my head, but I, for some reason, I've forgotten about that until now. Yeah, that's why... Why can't Again, that be on the sale? I'd love to play it all day Sunday. Gameplay from that game is enough for me to go, this is fun, this is an interesting world, which is already what we saw them do, and then they took a lot of creative risk. Let them do that again inside of Twin Mirror, which is going to be episodic, but aims to be somewhere between a more traditional game like Vampire and a episodic choice-based game. Like It's like the best of both don't nods, right? Yeah. Vampire was more essentially the team that handled Remember Me going off and making a game that's a, more of a traditional experience again. And then let, and then this twin mirror looks like if you take the best of what that team was aiming for, which is great gameplay in an interesting world. And then this right here, which is an interesting world and interesting, well, realistically interesting characters and, and choices. And you try and crash those together. The only thing I it's wish a, is it that sounds really cool when they originally announced twin mirror and talked about it. I was really hoping it was not going to be episodic. That's the only thing that I, makes me kind of go, and eh. Me and you are the same in which terms of most episodic style games is like wait till the release of all of them. Exactly. And that's or at and least sadly, the first season. That's the thing that's going, to, that's going to be downside of Twin Mirror. Essentially. We don't even know if that's going to, if the full season will come out by the end of 2019. I may not play it in 2019. That's yeah, going to be the may, downside. It may be a 2018. But or, I do want to mention another episodic game. 2020 game. <laughs> that is, uh, and it's actually interesting that you said this list may not be right. Uh, from what we saw, Man of Madon, uh, which is the Until Dawn team, who's coming back with their Bandai Namco published game. Yeah. That is scheduled for next year. And that's that scheduled to be episodic with all episodes releasing next year in the first half of the year. Now, if I remember correctly, and this might have been a rumor, but I thought I remember that that launching all episodes within a month and a half or two months. They've not which quite talked great. about that, but what they did say is that they wanted it to at least launch all within half of a year, which is at least better than what we've seen. Yeah. Imagine if a come game from Telltale episodes when they were like Friday releases like a show. Yeah. Um, speaking of shows, dude. so right now that's the, that's the dark pictures thing. That's a little bit more. So that's that Black Mirror tonight, though. Oh, is it the movie drop tonight? Today, yeah. Oh, that's, what, that's what day night's all about when I leave here. It does look good. It does look good. Three right. hours long. Oh my god! All right, I, yeah. I think Wasteland Three. I don't know what Wasteland is. I've never the played the Wasteland series, but I've seen it. Wolfenstein just oh, lost me. I mean, I didn't enjoy Wolfenstein One. Wolfenstein Two didn't look like it was for me. So my I didn't and I don't two. even want to know that I want to count Wolfenstein Youngblood because it's essentially a glorified it's, DLC. Right. It's what uh, the Colossus was, right? To one. Wasn't there a Wolfenstein 1 and then Wolfenstein, the new Colossus? The, it, it wasn't the new, the new Colossus was 2. Uh, so okay. Wolfenstein 1 had the new order and the old blood. Old blood is what I'm saying. So yeah, this is essentially so what the old blood, blood was. Okay. It's a, it's They're a, clever. Similar to that I one. am going to cheat though and give a big old shout out to Animal Crossing. Welcome. <laughs> Welcome to Animal Crossing. <laughs> I was like, I was trying to say Animal Crossing, welcome Ooh. to Wild World. I'm like, no. Animal this boy's Crossing... like, I want to give a big shout out to a game I don't even know the name of. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think that's the real name. That's not the real name. It's not. Uh, oh. But boy, I was so happy during. Um... Yeah. That I... was in 83. I don't forgot what that was at. Now, here's, here's the kicker. This is what we've not talked about. What do you 
honestly think the chances of are are three big games coming out next year. All right, and I think the third one is the is the one that's least likely. So the three ga- the three big games that we've not talked about that could be on the docket, even though it'd be very odd for Sony. These are both exclusives. All right, so Death Stranding, The Last of Us, and then Ghost of Tsushima. Last I think of Ghost us. of Tsushima is the easiest one to say is m- most likely a twenty twenty game. So is Last of Us. The Last of Us, I don't know. So D- Death, Death Stranding. Stranding mid to late on next year. So what's interesting about that and why I'm still so cautious as where I'm saying any of those games are coming next year is that for the last three, three or four years, we've seen Sony completely avoid releasing exclusives against the holiday season. They pretty much let July be the end of their releases. Right. And then you see maybe August they'll push into September of this last but year. But essentially Spider-Man. September is the last month where they do September pretty much September is in my like whenever I'm thinking of game releases for PlayStation September to October, very rarely October, but that's typically the end of the year. Is what I, I mean. Yeah, I don't, I don't even count know. holiday season in gaming. So in that is. does that mean that you think we see Death Stranding at some point in time I think we around see, September or October? I think we see Death Stranding anywhere between We do not see it November and December. And I don't no. even I really don't even think we see it in October unless they really can't do it. I, I think if they can get the game done, they'll worry about getting it out sooner. I think Kojima is he knows People love him very much, like I do. He knows my birthday is in May. He wants to give me this birthday present. It's going to come out in May. Here's the, about, here's the thing about about May. Do you think releasing Death Stranding too close to Days Gone immediately kills any of the build-up and hype and potential goodwill that Days Gone may start building I think itself? releasing any big game... This is the problem Days Gone. Releasing any big-name game next to Days Gone will kill Days Gone. You know how smart they were to move? Because of course they were. The the what's the number one thing? Even though Mortal Kombat's there, if I was going to say any genre, it's it's going up even against Mortal Kombat, which is crazy because fighting, most, racing, and any kind of simulation game are not going to have any market effect, in my opinion, on Days Gone. The problem with this is, is that you know that the uh, one of the creative directors behind Days Gone was watching E3 and saw that Mortal Kombat trailer and was like. Shit. <laughs> we moved away from Anthem we've, and we moved to like what we I don't thought think was so. safe. I don't think no, so. No, I do. I, I don't think that fighting games have enough of an effect. It doesn't. It, it's not pulling away potential purchasers. It's pulling away attention to marketing. So like, I still disagree because they're marketing to specific niches. I mean, fighting games are very specific and they have a very thriving and alive community again, that will do both. Not talking about niches though. I'm talking about like if you go into GameStop during this month, you're going to see... Mortal Kombat stuff, you're going to see all this stuff more so than Days Gone, I think. And I do think that when it comes down to it is that Mortal Kombat, of course, being a 30-year-old franchise at this point, is more of an in-house name than, of course, Ben Studio is or Days Gone. It so is. I think that it, it and loses advantage there. Mortal Kombat is a big fighting name. Because if it didn't, so if it didn't release against Mortal Kombat, you would walk into GameStop and see a standee of Days Gone. And I think it, you're not going to see that with it being nowhere close to to Mortal Kombat. It's going to be more. Oh Kombat no, standees. I still think you'll see a standee because the great I thing about doubt it. The, the great thing about storefronts and definitely when I worked at GameStop, I understand how they work. Uh, it's never one game, and because of the fact that they are coming out, I mean, the downside is that they're coming out close to each other, twenty third, twenty sixth. They do have the ability to not only let them be their own standees; they have multiple show floor. One's an exclusive, which automatically helps its its potential. Uh, because fanboys, and I mean, I really do mean that, and the, I mean that me, as me crowd. as a fanboy, not a bad fanboy, but me as a fanboy Ooh. too, you automatically, if you're a real fanboy, you give a little bit more stock into Sony stuff. And I trust Sony and their exclusives because they've done very seldom to do me wrong. The crazy thing is is that the fighting community is now mainly on PlayStation. Yeah, I know. I mean, so, that's been that's been that way for a long time. Nope, though. only like the past year and a half. 
I mean, it wasn't on Xbox. Yeah, it was. Killer Instinct was like the main place Killer to Instinct's go. Killer Instinct's one. Don't no, be wrong. I, Xbox no, has saying, done better. I'm just saying that. But PS3, people did not play. I mean, PS3, 360 gen, people played fighting games on, on the PS3. PS3 because I was talking the, about this gen, though. I knew that. Marvel's Capcom 3 fighting is pretty games, much only. I mean, I'm with you, but even then, fighting games in general have been a lot lesser. Injustice has been very big on at, PlayStation. At least locally around here, when Killer Instinct came out and that was the big fighting game, people were like, well, I might as well buy oh, Street Fighter and Marvel's sure. Capcom on Xbox One because I have it for a instinct oh i've not seen that but that's, yeah because you think about it, you get a fight stick that oh, only get, works for one system i get what you're saying so, i just i don't i don't i i personally haven't I, I seen know, i know you know one person hold on we have a resident fighter fan who listens to us nick hit your boy oh, yeah. up tell me what you played most of your fighting games on i know you like playstation but i didn't know if you were such a killer instinct fan no, well, that maybe you even, played on pc no, no 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 don't even ask him a direct question of this though just ask him if in the fighting community, if Xbox was once well known more, okay, than PlayStation you, you tell 4, me, you tell Xbox me. One, yeah, you tell me. But, All right, that's that's uh, okay. So you don't think there's any chance Last of Us is this year? No, absolutely not. Man, unless I, they do a downgrade, next year, which we know, yeah, uh, yeah. The, technically, technically, this it, episode goes live on Monday, last day of the year. So no, yes, it does. Anyways, uh, <laughs> uh, Happy New Year's, guys. Um, yeah, for what we saw at E3, I don't think that the PlayStation is capable of doing some of the things that I saw. Some of the physics that I saw was way too realistic. Oh, and hold so on. I think that if it is capable of doing so, it's not within grasp of like this year or this coming year. Some of the things that I saw that happened, I was like, I like I was I was actually at the point when the girl looks under the car and Ellie shoots her and there's a small hole in the cheek and the way the body falls, I'm like, that was scary how real that actually looked. Yeah. So here's the thing. I do generally get your thing. Definitely when you have a game like Shadow of the Tomb Raider released this year, and that's not saying it's a bad game, but when you look at what it did uh, in the animation department as a high, big-budget game and of a, of a similar-ish nature, enough of like you know third-person, camera-heavy, when you look at what they did versus what Sony's doing here, A, one's an exclusive that means a lot more. One's a bigger team, Naughty Dog, and it's not a franchise that's being moved around between different devs. And I think lastly, it really comes down to it's Naughty Dog. It's not even about the the fact that it's exclusive or an exclusive team. I'm entirely with you if Naughty Dog, if this was any other developer. And I don't even mean that because I'm saying that Naughty Dog's games has to be amazing. The Last Last of Us 2 could be a terrible game. We know they won't face a downgrade. There will be no downgrade present. From what we saw, it's going to be the game we get at launch, pretty much. I When we say downgrade, I think that it'll be so close that you would not necessarily call it a downgrade. Right. We've seen downgrades already happen. I mean, essentially, God massive. of War was a downgrade. Now, not massively. Yeah. Is it noticeable? Barely. Yeah. Uh, but, but what I'm saying is, is that there's only one or two teams out there in this entire gaming world that I will see that happening in. But for some reason, it just does not feel like the right year. Like, I don't, I don't think that what we saw versus what we are going to get will be this year. What is your secondary team? It seems team? way too good to be true. What is your secondary team? Because that's surprise. I mean, I, Sony Santa I'm, not, Monica? I'm not saying that I disagree with it. I'm just saying I'm curious as to what your other one is. I think there's a few, but I think that Naughty Dog of all the studios definitely throughout last gen and this gen have built a name of themselves of pushing systems to do the things that you never thought they'd be able to do. Yeah, right. And people, that, people were looking at Uncharted 4 before it came out and saying there's no way that game looks that good. Like all the rocks and stuff that would slide off. If like your foot hit a rock the wrong way, it caused oh, like a, a and gradual like, slide. People were like losing their mind that during the 
biggest part of the game that they showed at, uh, I think it was E3. It may have been a PSX demo uh, where they're dragging him behind in the mud and you see the mud literally deforming Cake. and then yeah. caking up on his pants. People were like, there's no way this game looks that good. See, Guess I'm, what? The game released. The game looked that it good. Came out like a, doesn't matter a, a if it was a good game later, or not. Though, and right? it was. But after they showed that, a yeah. year. A year? Okay. See, I just I don't see. That was, yeah, that was pretty close to the game releasing. That, that's one of those games that like I feel like I've thought about so much lately that Kingdom Hearts is barely past that threshold of like I can't believe I'm getting it in less than a month or like one month sure. from tomorrow actually. Sure, but that's I guess that's also different because Kingdom Hearts has been this ever elusive. Like you said, Kingdom Hearts three has been this ever elusive thing. It's getting there. It's feeling like what five years now. No, not so, they they announced it in uh, what twenty. 20- no, no, no. I'm talking about since Last of Us two or one. Oh, 2013 was the last so of us. Five, five years now. Yeah. So we knew that there With was a game something in between. going on. So, which, I mean, I'll give, I'll give uh, Kingdom Hearts team the same benefit of the doubt. Square Enix works on a lot of games. This is not... What was know, the Naughty Dog game in between that wasn't Lost Legacy? Uncharted 4, I guess. Uncharted 4 okay. and Lost Legacy. There's actually two releases in between the I last I don't know if us. I count Lost Legacy or not, though. It's... Not to discount like the people who worked on the game, but how hard is that to make from the engine of Uncharted 4? I mean, there's still... Actual writing and stuff, of and course. it wasn't and a there's short like, there's DLC. There's still mocap and voice yeah. actors and stuff, but it's yeah. probably a year project. Where I'm thinking of, I'm comparing. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I'm with you. And it's using an engine years. that you already are messing with. You're not trying yeah. to improve it graphically necessarily. You're using every. It's 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 very similar to what you're seeing with uh, Far Cry New Dawn, which is about a year project. These are this. I assume yeah. that New Dawn was already like Far Cry's been doing well. They already started working on it. Far Cry Five did incredibly well, and they were like, "Great, we were already working on this, so we're right to pull, making sure that we just." what they were probably already doing is what they do before where it automatically used the same map but sometimes they would deform it a little bit like I don't know if you knew this uh, but Far Cry Primal's map was the same as Far Cry 4's map same four, yeah. all they I mean, did was same, like, same layout so the same map layout there was a river in the same spot there was the, the same highs the and same lows corners essentially what they did was reskin the world to make it fit in more with the the, the prehistoric which uh, if we see aesthetic. 5's map like that that's fine 5 has a pretty big map and it's yeah. a pretty good and that's what's going to happen map. you're literally seeing 5's map with new stuff built on top of it so that they don't have to worry about doing uh, level design, like map design, world design. They don't have to sit there and think about that again. They use a template they already have, and then they just build on top of it aesthetically different. Yeah. Uh, And I think that that makes games like that work a lot differently. I think one thing that they did have going for them uh, in terms of being a little bit more of a higher scope project in a different way, at least with the Lost Legacy, um, was that, they did have to make a new map area. They weren't reusing anything that we've already seen. Yeah, all that um, stuff was so. In a sense, I mean, it was an ambitious. Was I'm trying to think. Was there not? Was there a callback to two in Lost Legacy? Not that I'm aware of. Like but, a, not I mean, like a direct callback. Like a excuse me, an Easter egg. Thing. Again, not that I'm directly like aware a, of. I, I thought I remember seeing a picture of Lost Legacy. I'm like. That looks like an exact scene from two, and I wonder if it's a nod to it. But I, 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 I don't know. Does it typically do that kind if of thing? If so, I missed it. Okay, but yeah, I think that's so. Ghost, I think we both agree is easily a twenty twenty, or at Ghost, least very unlikely. Sure. And the the, the, the reason we that, haven't seen enough of Ghost is really my reason. We haven't seen enough of Last of Us two. We saw multiple trailers and gameplay We've now. So two, two I, real point, trailers, real trailers. We saw the first one was CGI. So. Not real trailer by any I, means. Yeah, honestly, there was, there was gameplay. Well, the first Ghost. one was the the first one wasn't CGI. The first one was in engine. The one where Ellie's playing the guitar. That's an in engine uh, trailer. Was it? I yeah. thought I remember it being CGI. But yeah, but we got actual gameplay with Ghost in a sense. Yeah, but we got a, a we got a trailer first. Same thing. Uh, an announcement what do you trailer. mean? There was there's only one real Ghost trailer. 
Is there not? Yeah, there was the announcement trailer. And then they waited a whole year and there's then brought... Three, but what I'm saying is there's three trailers to, to the, for the Last, Last of Us. I'm, I'm with the you. Two. But that's because they're doing the Naughty Dog Keep Your Hands Close to Your Chest thing, whereas Sucker Punch is not doing that because it's not a known quantity. Yeah. They're but... a little more in this realm of like, well, we've announced our game. Now we've shown it because it is a new product and we kind of balance that. But now we've got to go a little bit further. I just think that when you look at the pipeline, it has been a long time since... Uh, technically, it's been longer since Sucker Punch have released a game than, the, than Naughty Dog, but yeah, Naughty Dog's, two, right? all their games have been sequels. Infamous 2, right? So it's different. No, Infamous Second Son was the last one. That's and technically, right. I first, that game exists. Technically, First, first Light. light. Uh, but that was, again, I don't know why I keep DLC. forgetting that game. Uh, so when you look at it in that sense, I think it's safe to say that they're, they're working on five years of a new IP, whereas five years of Naughty Dog working on The Last of Us 2 is not really the same when my, it's really been my three. My main point, though, is that both of these games look way too polished for me to expect them anytime soon. Ghost looks insanity. Ghost, I mean, Last of Us looks on par, of course. But which is why, as, I'm and not, as much as I love Sucker Punch, maybe it's it, maybe it's me also tricking myself, uh, maybe mentally of like, don't get your hopes up because you're not seeing it this year. It's gonna be next year. Just go ahead and think that, so you maybe, don't get it up. Maybe. But, all right, yeah, I think that that about covers all of ours. So, yeah. so any, any last words or any last games that pop up in your head or no, you're good to go. I think I'm good. Why don't you guys let us know in the comments on our Twitter, in our Discord, on our Facebook what you guys are excited for? Give us a list if you want, or just mention them casually. We always enjoy seeing that kind of thing. And uh, be sure to keep an eye out for this coming Friday. You get December Reader Mail. And then two weeks from that, you'll get another Reader Mail. Hmm. All right. Yeah. Big changes. Big New Year. Uh, but Happy New Year's to everyone. Be if you safe. listen to this on Monday or if you listen to it on Tuesday. If you like the sippy of the alcohols, do not put the keys in the ignition. <laughs> I agree. Oh, no. Dangerous. Our video froze. Well, if you were watching this live, unfortunately, it looks like our video froze. But we're going to go ahead and end the show. So thank you all. It's been Triangle Squared. Thank you. Thanks to our patrons, Chad V, Dan Barber, Josh Jarrell, Mikey12, My Name is Dan, Douglas Below, Sean Santarude, Shadowist, Stephen Salazar, The Stonard, Travis Below, Blake Popst, and Eduardo Palomino. If you'd like to support us on Patreon, the link is in the description below. Thank you.